as we uh, have brought this already this service this morning, um, we're kind of closing out this holiday season, but of course that journey goes on. This morning we read from the gospel and um, hear from the gospel of Matthew uh, chapter 2. Uh, this is the only place where we hear the story of the arrival, the visit of the wise men. Reaching now from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, Herod inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of frankincense and myrrh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Ah, oh God, open this old, holy, wonderful word again to us. Make it new through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, help us see and hear and find a new word, life-giving a word for our lives. Amen. This passage you just heard is one of my favorite texts to preach on. There are so many wonderful people and parts to this story. It is a captivating drama with a powerful opening scene. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Wise men, magi, came from the east to Jerusalem asking, where is this child who has been born king of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Wise men, magi, kings we sometimes say, pictures and paintings and figurines, most often in colorful clothing, crowns and jewels, typically riding on camels, right? The drama. Surprising visitors sweeping into Jerusalem, setting off wonder and worship and fear. Then the scene changes. You know, you can, if we were doing this uh, this morning in the drama, you see them come in, and then when the scene changes, the lighting shifts, and maybe there's just one 
spotlight on Herod in a, in a dark corner. This one, evil and fearful. And his business is not done out in the open as the arrival of the wise ones had been, but rather it is in secret. First, secret, the consult with the scribes and the Pharisees to determine what and who are these visitors here to see. Then, that deceitful conversation with the wise ones that sends them to Bethlehem with those words, go and search diligently for the child. And when you find him, let me know so that I may go also and worship him. Much more serious, of course, but I can't help but think of that uh, part in the, in the Grinch story when Cindy Lou Who finds uh, the Grinch uh, stuffing the, the Christmas tree up the chimney. Um, the Grinch lies and, and says, I'm, I'm taking it home to fix it, my child. There is an evil tone in the hiding and in the secret and in deceit. Again, the, the scene changes, and the, and the Magi head off following that star, star of wonder, star of light. Right? We, I just, we just love to sing that until it stops. And then we're told when the star stops, the wise ones stop, and they are what? That is beautiful line that's a sermon in itself. They're overwhelmed with joy. That's why they stop. They can't go further. They're overwhelmed with joy. These travels, travelers who we have sung about, who travel so far, then they offer, we're told they kneel, they, they offer their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, and then, finally, as the, as the credits roll on our great uh, film, on our great drama, we see these wise ones heading off home. But this time, going home another way. Because they've been warned in a dream that it's not safe to go back the way they came. Oh, right? To be so wise, to be so wise. If this scripture was a movie, we'd most definitely need both a, a sequel and a prequel, as they call them. A sequel to know what happened to the wise ones, those magi, when they made their way back home. What happened after they got there? Did they tell about the Christ child? Did they tell their story? And if so, how did they do it? And how did it change the lives of those they told? Hmm. And about a prequel. The story before the story. Who were these magi? And how did they get to be so wise? Ah, that question we might be able to discern just a little bit of an answer to. Is let's go back to just those first two verses, those opening verses, because they give us simple but important information. What we hear is this is not some random visit to Jerusalem. They come asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? How did they know that there was ever going to be a child who would be born king of the Jews? They weren't Jews themselves, but... They were scholars, right? They had studied. They had, they had studied, and we don't know how they had gotten this information. We don't know exactly, but, but they were scholars. They had studied. They were learned ones. And then it tells us this. 
we have observed his star at its rising. Ah, they have not just been studying scripture or sacred text, they've been watching the sky. They've been looking, they've been observing. They were possibly astrologers. They had been careful in their waiting and their watching. It reminded me somewhat of Simeon and Anna, the characters that we celebrated from the Christmas story last week. This idea, this concept, this reality that wisdom comes in preparedness, in attention, in observation. To not just go through the motions of getting ready, of watchfulness, but of careful study. Again, of noted observations. As I move toward retirement, I have thought of that quite a bit on my time in seminary and my first appointment. So, and I don't know if this is still true, but when I was graduating from seminary, United Methodist uh, students had to have three courses in United Methodist history, polity, and doctrine. Um, the polity one, as I remember, uh, was basically a, a study of how is the church organized? What's the, what's the and a politics of it? How do we work together? What are the requirements? How does the big church work in terms of general conferences and annual conferences? And, and also, how does the local church work? Now, I passed the course. I probably got a B. Um, but at that time, um, I had four kids at home and was commuting to seminary two days a week. So um, let's be honest, I didn't pay a ton of attention <laughs> to, to what actually happened after you got done with the class. So uh, when I got out into my first appointment, what I realized was I knew nothing. Um, I knew virtually nothing about how the local church was actually organized. And in United Methodism, it's pretty specific what your committees are. You've got staff parish and finance and um, you've got trustees and they all have requirements and they all have jobs which I maybe read in a book, and I maybe even answered the right question on a test, but I had absolutely no recollection of this. Now, now the good part of that, the good part of me not knowing what I was doing was that I knew people who did, right? I had a couple of great mentors who I could call. I had resources before me, and quite honestly, it was not life or death, right? It was not life or death. But we know that's not always true. Um, eight years ago this uh, month of January, our son Dan, who is the manager of a large grain elevator in southern Ohio, uh, got a call from a neighboring farmer uh, that uh, alerted him to uh, the fact that the uh, older gentleman farmer of, uh, of that uh, place had, was stuck in, the, in a silo. Um, every year you hear stories of, of people who suffocate um, in silos. And so they called Dan, they called the grain elevator, um, and luckily because OSHA requires it of Dan, Dan had training in this, um, he knew what to do. Uh, he got the few things that he needed which were very um, simple, but you had to do it in a very specific way. Uh, went, to the, went to the neighboring farm just a mile or so down the road and they saved Richard's life. But it all happened very quickly. It all happened very, very quickly. Um, this week, of course, 
as uh, not only as a Bills fan, but uh, as the whole nation watched that story unfold, uh, first on Monday night with the cardiac arrest of Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, and the immediate, immediate on-field CPR of Bills assistant athletic trainer, Denny Kellington. Um, the story has unfolded in a way that no one on Monday night could have seen possible. Um, he's made a remarkable recovery. His uh, ventilator's out. He uh, has FaceTimed the team. But what are the story of the week? And, you know, if you watch the NFL, you'll see this yesterday and today, all the players wearing um, for love of three uh, patches on, you know, things on the field. But really, who's the... Really, who's the hero? Is that assistant trainer. He's the hero, but he doesn't have a number, so nobody can wear his number. But what the story was, um, has been so amazing is that all that preparation that would have ever gone into this man's training, so that when the moment came, he could do it. He didn't have to go look at a manual. He didn't say, let me check and see what we're supposed to do. He did it. Immediately, he responded. The CPR, the use of the AED, the um, intubating um, DeMar in the ambulance, all of those things came because people were prepared, actually for the event that they hoped and prayed would never happen, right? So when I think about this preparedness, this, this being ready for whatever might come, hmm, I think about uh, these wise ones. Think about what it would mean for us to be wise in our spiritual lives as we anticipate, right, anticipate an encounter with the Christ to be so wise. Um, repeatedly this last year, and you've all heard it a number of times, repeatedly I have gone back to the principles that Adam Hamilton had lifted up in our Lenten study last year, The Walk. Not because it was such a novel idea that he gave us, but because the, uh, the principles, the disciplines that he lifted up are so simple and so profound and really so doable in our lives. How do we prepare to encounter Christ? in our lives every day and in the end time, in the time of our death. Worship, right? This commitment to worship, and not because worship every Sunday is so great, <laughs> you know? I mean, some weeks it's, it's a little off and we kind of wonder. But because that pattern of worship, whether you're at home and worshiping or whether we're here or whether you find yourself in another worship space, is because it centers us and, and calls us back. Prayer together and apart, and, and like worship is so different. I gotta say, that is the one thing as I've been reading a little bit this week about CPR, is there is a specific way of doing it, right? You don't just randomly kind of figure out how you yourself would like to do CPR. Um, there's a training involved that's quite specific. Prayer is a little bit different. Prayer is some of us like quiet, prayer, contemplative prayer, others, others like litur liturgical prayer and uh, repetitive prayer, and some of us like prayer walking and prayer beads, but they all allow us to be prepared, right, for what will come. Service, personally and together, 
giving generously, both personally and together, sharing our witness in the world. Why do we do what we do? Because we know that God loves us and we want others to know that God loves them as well. That we need to practice collectively and individually telling our faith story. The spiritual preparedness. To be like those, to be like those wise ones who were uh, looking and waiting and observant and then ready to go, right? That's the other part. They were ready to go. So as we enter this new year together, um, let's take that in. Let's uh, allow ourselves to be moved, um, sometimes following a star, sometimes following one another, uh, but always knowing that, that we are never alone. Ah, uh, to be so wise. Amen. Amen.